This is Sandy. I just want to let you know that in this episode we will be discussing suicide and a mother's perspective at her experience of losing her son to suicide. So please, if this is triggering for you, please be aware that this will be part of the discussion. Due to some technical difficulties during the recording of the session, some places in the recording can be difficult to hear. I have tried to clear it up as much as I can, but unfortunately, I don't have the technical know-how to do it entirely. However, I have put a link in the description box attached where you can watch the video with subtitles. So if you're finding it difficult, it's particularly difficult up until around the 14 minute mark and it gets better after that. So I do apologize. But if you go to the description box, there's a link and you can watch the video and I've put subtitles on the video. So thank you for listening, guys. And um, please send some sympathy to Regina, who is still mourning the loss of her. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Life After Life with me, Sandy Byrne. And today we're going to take a sidestep slightly from the spiritual side, because as we know, September is Suicide Awareness Month. So I have asked a friend of mine, um, a lady, beautiful lady that I have known since I was three or four years old, and um, she has been bereaved by suicide. So Regina, I'd like to welcome you to the Life After Life podcast and thank you for giving us your time. Because I know that your life changed on the 15th of December 2020. And that's only two years and nine months ago. So it's still very, very raw. So you lost your son, Gary. Can I ask you to start off by telling us about Gary? Yeah. So Gary, I had Gary when I was, I got pregnant when I was uh, 17 and a half. So I I was obviously back then in the Catholic era in Ireland, it was a sin to have a child young. And outside of marriage, so I had to fight tooth nail to have Gary, you know. So I had Gary when I was 18 and a half, but me and Gary grew up together, so we had a very special bond. Um, because I, I was still only a child myself, I was like, all my friends were going to college, and I was uh raising a child. But the plan was, I was going to college, mommy was going to help me with, with Gary, but when I had him, it was like, no way am I leaving him, you know. So we we basically like that. I uh, I was working when I was pregnant with Gary. So I I always worked, but I always obviously had Gary. Gary um, was really bubbly, um, really loved, really really um, he's very same as me, really emotional. Do you know? Um, like uh, kind of really outgoing personality. He was shy for the first couple of years, and then he kind of came out with a shell. And um, obviously, as the years progressed, he became obviously more and more outgoing, bubbly. He'd light up a room. Um, like, he'd be the first person I talked to. I'd tell him uh, 
if there's something going wrong. Um, love, like sports, always out in the road with the hurley and the, the ball or the football, out in the green. He became with all the lads. He lived in breathed for, for sport, you know. And then at 16 in town then, he kind of got in, he got in with the wrong crowd. And he kind of, kind of went off the rails for a couple of months. And he, which I, like, I, I was even shocked because it, it wasn't like him, you know. He got brought into something and he, he couldn't get out of it. So, look, he had a debt to pay off and uh, he then met up with his girlfriend and he just said to me, he said, ma'am, look, I'm going to have to, I'm never going to break the stigma of my, of my name because, you know, because no other people be talking. So he left the town. Broke my heart, but I knew it was the best thing for him, and it was the best thing for him. So he worked <coughs> in Junction 14 for years. It's a, like a, a garage. It's service, a service station a, on the motorway. Yeah, on the motorway, motorway station. So he he was doing training manager, but he was in the the cooking part, um, the Calvary part, where they make the dinners. He loved it. He loved that. He loved. Um, prepping the food and cooking it and making dinners and you know so he got a flair for cooking chefing so that's what he ended up uh, he ended up in Port Arlington Golf Club for two years chefing he was head chef he was over like all the lads inside inside fair play to him yeah so out of that then he got the culinary five star so he started out there sous chef and that was only a year and a half before he died and he was oh my god like three weeks before he died um he rang me and they were after they had kind of um um they kind of had a had a um master chef between the the, the cooks and they picked his dish his him and peter one um this was his burger on the menu so he was pure lightning type. And that was only three weeks before he died. And there was actually after being another suicide in town the same weekend. And I swear on that message, Gary two was crying out in the conservatory, crying over the young lad <clears throat> because his anniversary is probably coming up now because I know that it was only literally three weeks, I'd say, to the day before Gary died, uh, maybe four weeks. And yeah. And Gary was like, Mom, imagine that family for Christmas. Like, 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 what was he thinking? Poor old young lad. And, oh, God, imagine Christmas now for his family. Like, that, that, that's the kind of mindset. Because two of his best friends in Port, Ar- Port Arlington, in the band, Port Arlington, in the football club, to play for Port Arlington um, club. So he had all the gear with all his name, GL. And he thought it was right, you know, uh, Tipperary, I had Tipperary and look where I am now, you know. Sorry, Regina, no, just for that, people who, who aren't yeah. from Ireland that might be listening. So Port yeah. Arlington is just yeah. um, in the next county up from Tipperary. It's yeah. about an hour away, yeah. isn't it, Regina? Yeah, it's, an, it's about an hour and a half away, yeah. An hour and a half away. Yeah. And there would be great rivalry in all the sports teams because he would oh, be yeah. from Tipperary. Great rivalry. And yeah. 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 yeah, and this is, and he played for Tipperary School by, like, do you know himself and Connor yeah. played for Tipperary School by um, 
but that was another that's another thing with Gary he was very um like if you see any of my pictures he's always in the pictures I've only I've only five pictures of two brothers and a sister but he's standing in the middle of the two of them all the time in every photograph because he minded them oh my god he was the best big brother you know but yeah. Cormac would go down and fight you that is him you know I swear to God Cormac was four years younger than him and Cormac would go down and fight his battles on the green. He wasn't a fighter. Him. No, he wasn't a fighter. And Gary was a big, was big guy. What He was very he, tall. Yeah, yeah. What's well what's over what's six foot, I'd say. He was pure gentle giant, you know. Gentle giant. But like yeah. that, um, pure gentle giant, but like that, two of his teammates at Port Arrington, uh, the Port Arrington Club uh, commit suicide. And <sighs> like he used to go, to go and visit their families. And one of them was his girlfriend was pregnant, and the other guy, um, he had two kids. Oh so, like, Gary would be ringing me, going, Oh, man, I'm going to have to come from Watch Christ House. And he was devastated. He was like, Man, like, how could you do it with your family? Like, do you know? So, he knew, like, too. And my best friend, Bill, committed suicide now, 20, but he went missing for three days. I never forget that. Like, that was my first brush with suicide. But he used to be able to carry it. Like, you no, know, he'd mind Gary for me like he was a dose. That was my first brush with suicide. So Gary always knew how deeply it affected us, you know, Bill's Bill's death because like he was, he was like our brother, he was like my brother, you know. So oh, bless him. he always he was always very um he always like suicide to him was huge. It was like yeah. like the last resort or you know. Yeah. But yeah, but like that, he was just lovely young at the whole way up. Um, like never. That was the only time I probably was when he was sixteen. Um, just sports mad and got behind. It. He 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 was the type that, like, I love to see people getting on. You know, and he was the same. Yeah. He he was like that as well. He'd be behind. You know, and even like he had stopped playing for sports. Um, and but he'd still be at all the matches. And he'd be in the dugout and. I know people might be listening and thinking oh well she was his mother she's going to think he was an yeah. angel and this and that but I have to say yeah. um, because Regina yeah. and I would be the same age and I was away for those first years when you had Gary because I, I went away yeah. after I finished school and I didn't come back for 10 yeah. years and so when I really you know yeah. would have seen Gary around he would have been 10, 11, 12 you know and he always had a smile and he always said hello and he was always into yeah. everything. So everybody around, because yeah. Regina um, grew up just a few doors down from me and everybody yeah. knew Gary and he was always around and he was always friendly and he'd always ask, are yeah. you okay? Did you need help yeah. with something? And always the first to step up. Do you know what I mean? Even when I used to bring my kids, when yeah. I had kids and bring them up to my mother's house, and you know if Gary was out on the green or anything do you know yeah. there was never an issue he was always everybody was yeah. in or, you know yeah. and he was just that kind yeah. of a fella yeah. Great, but yeah. then Regina came the 15th of December 2020 okay and you yeah. know I hate to go from talking about Gary alive I know. I know. to ask yeah. what what happened how did you find out was it a phone call? Yeah. Did someone come to your door? Because obviously yeah. he was an hour and a half away. No, but obviously I got a phone call. I my last I was talking to Gary at ten to twelve, ten to twelve, uh, on Monday night, 
Um, I'll never forget, he was after coming home from work and it was himself and his girlfriend's uh, anniversary and the two friends coming over for a couple of drinks. He only got in the door at seven o'clock. That was fine. He snapped me once or twice, you know, of pictures of the lads or whatever. So at 10 to 12, <clears throat> he snapped me and I went, I was giving out to him. I said, don't stay up late now because Madison was there, his daughter was there. And the two men, I knew, I knew, <clears throat> Now, I knew he didn't have work the next morning, but I knew that, that, that Gabby had work and um, Madison had to go to crash and stuff. So, um, and I get curious, I said, Gary, I'm going to bed now. I said, I, I said okay, good night. I said, I'm signing off. I said, love you. And I said, no, I said, I'm telling you, do, do not stay up late. And he was like, ma, 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 I won't stay up late. You won't, you won't, you won't, you So, um, I said, Grand, well, Kerry had my phone. Because my daughter. She has a, she's diabetes, so she's a, so the, scan, the phone scans her arm to test her blood sugar. Oh, I get you. So she, she takes the phone then in the night time. So, of course, you know, yourself now, Sunday, she was up on my phone playing roadblocks or one of the gaming. And we have a group chat, Lennon was chatting, and a couple of messages came into the, the, the group chat. Um, I won't get into it. Kerry had a bad feeling in her stomach. Um, next thing, say an hour later, about a half, 20 minutes later, another message came in. And then another, about say, 30 or 40 minutes after that, my son Cormac was ringing the phone off the hook. And she wouldn't answer it because she just said, she just, ma'am, I just knew there was something, something was wrong. So a quarter to three, she came in to me, um, I was nearly 10 to 3. I remember looking at the phone when I when Cormac rang again, it was, it was 10 to 3. And Cormac, I said, Well, I said, What's going on? And Cormac was so on crying. And I was like, What's wrong with you? And he was like, Ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. And I was like, Oh my God. And first thing I thought of was his brother, his younger brother, Taylor. Um, he was like, ma'am, ma'am. And I, I said, Cormac, I said, what's wrong? I said, tell me. I said, is it Taylor? And he was like, no. I said, is it Charis, his girlfriend? And he was like, no. I said, is it you? Did something happen to you? And then he said, oh, ma'am, it's Gary. And I said, what about me? So Cormac said, ma'am, um, Gary is dead. And I just said, what are you saying? I said, what are you talking I said, what are you talking about? And he was like, ma'am, and he roared and cried. And I said, he was like, ma'am, Gary is dead. Gary is dead. And I was like, don't be so stupid. I said, what do you mean Gary said? I said, Gary, I said, I was only talking to Gary, I said, two hours ago, I said. And he was like, ma'am, I swear to God. And he was roaring, crying. And I just said, I said, I just gave the, I woke Kevin up and I just gave the phone to Kevin. I hung up the phone and then I rang the phone back and I gave the phone to Kevin. And I said to Kevin, I said, what? Cormac is saying that Gary is dead. I said, like, what is he talking about? I said, will, will you talk to him there? So of course, Kevin, of course, like, Jesus Christ almighty, should I have to get up in the morning, like, don't work, don't. And of course, Kevin, that's a man thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a man thing, yeah. And he was like, um, Cormac, what's going on, Nick? What, what are you saying? What are you saying to your mother? And he said, Gary is dead, Gary is dead. And Kevin was going, what do you mean Gary is dead? How can Gary be dead? Don't be, don't be so stupid. And... um. 
and uh, Kevin said, Sheena, he's saying to Gary he's dead. And I was like, Sandy, I swear I'm not missing you. So Kevin said, Kevin said to me, um, Gary, yeah, Gary is dead. And I was like, sure, he can't be dead. And I was like, my son can't be dead. I was literally only talking to him. Do you know that disbelief, Sandy? Yeah, 100%. And I was like, I was like there's no way. There's no, I just, I just went like this. No, I sat and decided to bed and I went, no. And Kerry was wrong crying. Mammy, what are they saying about Cormac? Or what are they saying about Gary? And I was like, Kerry, do not say nothing. I said, do not say nothing. I said, go back into bed. And Kerry was crying going, Mammy, tell me what are they saying about Gary? And I was going, Kerry, I promise you, I said, I said, after getting, there's a mix-up, there's some kind of a mix-up. I said, look, you go back into bed. I said, I said, I sort it out. I said, I'm going to ring him. I said, I say, I said, I'd say, after getting the wires crossed or something that's going to happen. So I don't know whether it was the the fact that she, that I was trying to protect her or what was going on in my head. I then rang Gabby and I was, wasn't getting through. Gabby was, was Gary's out. girlfriend. Is Gary, yeah, Gary's girlfriend. I was ringing Gary's, sorry, I rang Gary's phone first, of course, and there was nobody was answering. And ringing, ringing, ringing. Then I was ringing them on Snapchat. Then I was ringing them everywhere I could. Then I was ringing her. She wasn't missing. So then I was saying to myself, so then I was ringing Cormac. Then Cormac wasn't answering me back. And I was going, no, because it was the first day of, it was the first day the pubs were open after lockdown. And of course, my two were after going out, Cormac and Taylor. And they were, they were after going out for it was her first few drinks, obviously in a pub in sure whatever length time. So mm-hmm. I said, two of them that are half shot now above in the house, and they're probably after getting a call saying that something's after happening, Gary, and they're after, they're after mixing it all up. Do you know? It's a different so, Gary. It's, it's a different man. It's not I my said, son. I said to Kevin, like, yeah. and I was, I said to Kevin, like, I said, like, what, like, what do you think? And Kevin said, she said, you know, I don't believe it. She said. I was sitting at the edge of the bed, and I was, I, I was sitting at the edge of the bed, and I was going, like, oh my God, like what, am I, what am I going to do here? Like, nobody's, nobody is ringing me. No one's kind of getting back to me. Like, so then I rang Carl back again, said, ma'am, we're in the car on the way. And I went, on the way up here. And he went, where do you think? On the way up to, to Port Arrington. And I said, so is Gary in an accident? And he said, no, ma'am, Gary is dead. And I said, Gary couldn't be dead. The next thing he says to me, he said, "Ma'am," he said, "Gary is after committing suicide." And I just said, "I said no. I said there's no way. There's no way because." But I literally that that evening we were talking, and on the Friday the lockdown was being lifted, and we were going up doing Christmas shopping, and I couldn't wait because we were allowed to travel to any county we wanted. Um, so I was like, I, I, I'm, I'm not even like I literally just sat inside the bed and I went, right, okay, so I sat in the bed and Kevin's like, what's this? And I said, yeah, he's dead. He was shocked at my, at my reaction. So Kerry came back into room and she goes, mommy, what's going on? And I said, Kerry, just, just go back into your room and said, I'll come in and talk to you in a minute. But with that, Gabby's father rang me. And Gabby's father said to me, Regina, we'll meet you in the hospital in Port Leash. So then in my brain, I went, 
Oh, he's not. He's after having an accident. That's what's after happening. So then Gabby rang me and she was screaming and crying. And she was like, he's gone, he's gone. And I was like, what do you mean he's gone? And she said, he's gone, he's gone. And next thing she just hung up the phone. I sat at the edge of the bed and I went, no, he's definitely had an accident. I just wouldn't accept the fact he was dead. No way. I wasn't, I wasn't accepting the news. I just, yeah. I, I need to see him for myself. So I remember standing, I opened up the wardrobe. I remember looking into the wardrobe going like, what am I meant to put, what am I, what am I meant to put on like, what, what, like, what, 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 like, I was going like, like in hindsight I was saying, like, you're just trying on, went up to hit, I mean hit spots, but rang them on, so Gabby's dad rang me then away and said, hospital, and I said, I said, no, I said, we're only 10 minutes away, I said, if you wait, I said, we'll be there in 10 minutes, so we were literally just 10 minutes away. Yeah, so got up to the house, house empty, four guards, and the guards that said, uh, who are you, to me and Kevin, we passed the horse, a horse, so going into Gary, right where Gary lived was a, a roundabout, so just when we were coming to the roundabout, this horse passed out with a coffin in it, and I turned around and I said to Kevin, I said, is that my son, that? and Kevin said, she and I said, I said, it couldn't be Gary Short, you know, we were coming like. So, of course, obviously, when we got to the house, the house in darkness, nobody there. No no one there to meet us, like. Uh, only four own guards. And, uh, where are you? Who, who are you? And I said, uh, where are Gary's parents? Uh, all right, well, uh, you've no business here. He's gone uh, to the hospital there now. And... Uh, I may go back to your And I said, no uh, I said, excuse me. I said, my son is after dying. Like, I said, I want to see my son. And they were, well, sorry now, um, you're no business uh, up here now. You may go back to your for yourself and you may come back up again tomorrow. I turned around and I said to the guards, one of the young lads, I said, I said, you know what? That's my son. And he went, yeah. I went, yeah. So like, I'm his mother. I said, I want to see him. I said, you understand that? And he was like, well, there's nothing I can do for now, so you may go back to yourself. And I said, and I said to Kevin, I said, like this, it was like everything that was going on was out of body experience. It was so surreal. But I just Good found thing. because he was after committing suicide, it was like, you know, uh, go off about your business. Yeah, his life didn't work, wasn't worth taunting. Like, he didn't need to give me the time of day because it, he, he committed suicide. Do you know, he took his own life. So I went, I obviously tracked down Gabby. We was gone over to our friend's house. I uh, went into her, asked her what happened. Uh, and I just said, right, so I I drove over to Port Leash Hospital at 10 to 4. 10 to 4, I went to the hospital. And went in and obviously there was a woman behind the desk. And I said, my son is... After my, my son's after dying, I said, um, he's after being taken over here. Now, in fairness, Gabby's mother and father come over to meet me over in the the hospital. Say so we're sitting down and obviously her mother, um, she would have known very, very well, obviously, because of Gabby. And she was sitting down, she was roaring, 
be more and crying, more and crying. But Sandy, was, I was still sitting there going like, I like I, I have to see my son like, I don't believe this. Yeah. I need to see him dead. I know that sounds morbid. I no. need to see my son dead. And there were, and she was going, oh my God, like, like you're so, you're so calm. His mother was saying to me, so the nurse says to me, she said, sorry, she said, um, there's not going to be anybody until seven o'clock, she said, or half seven, she said, that's going to be able to bring you down to see your son. Now, this was four o'clock. So I had to sit in a waiting room. They brought me into room, I'll never forget, because it was freezing. I was sitting down, I'll never forget the sunrise coming into this room, the sun was, was rising. And I was sitting in the room. Like, what am I even doing here? Like, what, like, what is actually going on here? Like, I still hadn't seen Gary, so in my brain, Gary's still wasn't dead, and that yeah. was it. So, so half eight they told me it was not ten o'clock. So I said, "Right, look, sure, I'm going to have to go back down to Turles." So we went into Supermax myself and Kevin to drive through and got coffees in Port Leash, and we were driving down the road. And I remember like ringing the lads, all the families, telling them that Gary was dead, and it was like. Telling them that Joe up the road was after dying because I didn't register. Didn't register. I need him dead. I need. To, I don't know if you understand, but other parents understand that. Um, I no, I totally get so it. In my brain, it there's always with me. Yeah, there's always going to so, be that hope that it's a mistake, that it's not them. You have to see it with your own eyes to accept it. Yeah, I get it. That's it. So I could see him. And hold him, and you know, yeah. and I never got to do that. And they didn't even give me ten minutes to get up there, you know, to to do that. So I physically never that acceptance. I literally came home, but and went straight back up, and we were back up in uh, Port Arlington for half past twelve. And I was there at four o'clock before I found out that I couldn't see Gary and that they were going to do a post-mortem on him. And that then, of course, it was the, where is he going to be buried? Uh, they, of course, wanted to bury him up there. And I was like, no, he's coming home to his mother. Uh, oh, we had to come to happen to him. Uh, I got to bury half of his ass and we all have a bit of him as well. So I was able to give a bit of him to all his family. We all have, I got more little urns. But um, obviously at the time I was thinking all his family are in Taurus. So I then had to look to, to get him to come home for a couple of hours. Obviously I would have liked him here for two days like normal mother and father get. But I got him at half past eight that night. He came home in a coffin at half past eight. I was after buying them. I remember the special Tipperary jerseys, the white ones, the memorial jerseys. The 100 years, yeah. Um, and he was mad for one of them. Got all the lads one for Christmas. So that was my thing, Christmas Day. I, I never buy four jerseys like that, same, but because there were memorial jerseys, I bought them all the same jersey each. <clears throat> and... That was my thing Christmas Day. I was saying it'd be light now all up the presents and they'll see the jerseys. So he was came home wearing his jersey. He was obviously he just looked like to me he was asleep. I still hadn't accepted I was in 
like deep shock. Shock, yeah. Deep shock. Plus, I wasn't well. I was on antibiotics, and I say I I was probably lo- I was probably lucky. I was on antibiotics because I'd say Sandy, if I drank, and we'll just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> leave it yeah. at that but I probably you know I was probably better off than I was on antibiotics but I I never uh, like all so all the, the mask uh, all the details had been taken out of my 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 um personal it wasn't I wasn't what really involved basically so I had to go with what was being done whereas if I wasn't in shock it would have been a different way but obviously, yeah. I had to go with the way my brain was dealing with it at the time. Do you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, so I, so it's gas. They were 10 o'clock next morning to collect them. And Morgan went out and just said to him, look, can we get, can she have another hour? Just one more hour with him. Like, Sandy, like, uh, half our family hadn't even known, didn't even know at that stage. No. Like, Every other parent has their child for at least two or three days at home. To you know, I and and, and it kills me because I never got even an hour with him. My me myself, no, or to myself with him to sit with him because the hour that was there that we did have that everybody was in bed. I was trying to clean up because I knew there was more people coming to, to put the, the casket the lid into casket and take them off or whatever. So I never got to just sit with him. Even have that even twenty minutes for him to sit down and just you know but just sit with him. Yes. I um so yeah, so it wasn't enormous straightforward because then obviously, you know, COVID there was only twenty people allowed in the church and then up up at the crematorium this this guy came, got up in the pulpit. And he stood up. I don't even think he was a priest, I'll be honest with you. He just said whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not missing to Sandy. Ten minutes. Ten minutes was over. And he just said, has anybody got anything to say? And I was actually sitting there going, like, it's like this, this, is, this is what he gets, he gets for 28 years. Ten minutes of, of cold... Clinical, heartless. So I just said, lads, like, so um, I got up and I read the poem. That's, so I, I dragged the arse, I dragged the arse out of the poem. So I'd say we probably got 20 minutes and the casket went down and that was it. And we came home and gas, my phone went missing. I took a picture of him in the casket, uh, and a lot of people were saying, "Oh, I said, look, I, it's my last picture I'm ever going to take from." I said, and I want just to, I just want a picture of it. So Kevin had taken my phone to work, and the phone got he left it on the, roof, the, the top of the car, and the car got rolled over. But the phone, then I went, oh "God, the picture I took in the casket is in the coffin." I <clears throat> took picture the picture I took him in the coffin. I was like, "Oh my God, the picture is gone." I said, what am I going to do? I need to get the phone to get the picture. So we got the phone back. And we got the pictures. And Sandy, when I looked at when I looked at me, I actually, it just goes to show what shock and what grief does because I, he looked horrific. He looked horrific. 
and his guest. I have a, a an album set up. No, I had an, I have an album set up on my phone with just gar pictures of Gary. So if I'm doing posts, I I know I can just go into Gary's folder and pick out my pictures. I don't have to be scrolling through everything, and I keep that that pictures in the middle of the album. And every now and again, I flick past and I go, "Oh Jesus Christ!" And I have to flick. I stay flicking on. I mean, say it like that was he wasn't my son. My obviously my son was gone at that stage. Mm-hmm. He was gone to to heaven, and that was it. But my grief brain and my shock taught me that like and and I'd say people were probably going like, is she actually? She's obviously cracked, like because oh my god, he looks terrible. And I was telling everyone to came in. Well, not everyone because sure, not many knew, but because it all happened so fast. He was dead. Like he died at what? At tri- twenty to three, I reckon. He 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 died. He was he was um, they pronounced him dead, and he was in my house at half past eight, and he was gone again at ten o'clock the next morning, and the next day it was all over. So it was like the quickest, like whirlwind of. Like that, as I said, as I was saying, it's like an out It's like I was looking myself, looking that it wasn't me. Do you know that I wasn't actually going through what my set me? Like it was like looking at somebody else, somebody else's life. Do you know? So I just think that, and I've spoken to a lot and come with counselors and non-counselors and meetings and whatever. But they reckon that the fact that that accept that I never got. I got that final, like, like, like us all, when someone dies, like, like, me and Angie Christine looked after my grandmother for the last two and a half years before she died, we'd, because she was out in Sioux Riders, they had to be independent, but she wasn't independent, but they said they'd take her on the initiative that me and Christine were going to go out and take care of her, so we done every second day and every second weekend, and we done that for two and a half years. But when uh, we were with her when she was dying, and we laid into the bed with her, myself and Christine, and held her and rubbed her, and until she was dead, she, we thought she was dead. But the nurse came in and said, "No, she she's probably going to be awake for she's probably going to probably another ten minutes." So we laid into the bed with her at each side of her, and we stayed with her uh, for the next hour. Laid in the bed. The nurse came in and said, "Look, she's after passing." Obviously, roaring, crying, rubbing her, holding her, and I never forget the warmth, the warm. That's uh, that connected with me with Gary. I need to, I think in my brain, I need to feel Gary warm, hold him, and accept that he was dead, and, you know, tell him, you know, that, look, Mammy's here, and I love you, and everything I do with her. And, but I got him in a coffin and it wasn't him basically so that's feel robbed look when you when your child dies anyway but it's all those extra external things that you, you put together with with um um someone dying that when you don't get it it's it doesn't feel like it happened if you get me I do. So I'd say about um, nine months after Gary died, yeah, about nine months after Gary died, I had a top. The top he was wearing today, he's he, today he he the night he died, his tracks are top, and I had a smell on it, 
And I remember Deirdre was calling, one of my best friend Deirdre, Deirdre Ryan was calling over to see me. And Deirdre, I was set a plan of quick wash while, I, and I said I'd go up with Gary's hoodie because I was I was having a bad day. So when I would, I'd put on his hoodie so I could smell him. So I never forget, okay, I put on the wash and next thing I went to get his hoodie off the worktop. And sure, I was after putting the hoodie in the machine. Kevin didn't know what to do. When dear ring, he just brought her straight out into or into the utility room. I was in the utility room on my hands and knees, screaming, roaring, crying. And they reckon that's when that I had the breakthrough that this Gary actually that was my that was my brain accepting Gary had like as I said, like you see all these movies and you probably know what I'm talking about and where the mothers are like, Oh my god, they break down straight away, they're roaring crying and like and it's gas because um and I always feel guilty about this because like for years I had a dream I suffered anxiety and depression years to 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 the stage where I wouldn't didn't want to see anybody, just do my job, come home. So Deirdre came in and Deirdre came into the the, the, the kitchen and she was like, I came into the utility room and she was like, Yeah, all right and I was happy how no that's what I'm saying about the movies, about the way parents react to the movies and bring one of my kids, Sandy, in the nightmare. It's crazy. But Gary is beside me in the dream. But it's one of the other, it's one of my other kids, but I don't know which one because I can't see them. But I just know that one of my kids is dead. And I've had that same dream, I'd say, for nine years, right? But Gary was always beside me, so I always knew it wasn't Gary. Do you know? Next thing, obviously, Gary died. So having had that dream, obviously, had that dream, started having that dream again. And like Taylor was in a, a kind of a crash there a couple of months ago, and and he sent me on a picture of the car, and and like the reaction to him was totally different to the reaction that Gary got. That when Gary died, because I was in shock, and the guilt I have that guilt then as well because I feel so guilty because I feel that I didn't give Gary the reaction that he should have got that. He didn't get the crying mother and uh, all the, the, the sobbing tears and the, the heartbreak and uh, the heartache. And whereas if it was one of the, the lads, I'd be on my, like, I, I don't know, I did, I, I always said, if one of my lads died, you'd have to throw me in after it, throw me in after him. And always said it, I've always said it down through the years with, with the lads, because I lost um, Lee, I had, I was pregnant. I was six months pregnant and I uh, went into labour and I lost Lee and Lee um is Lee would be eighteen this year. So I've I've lived both spectrums, if you get me, of grief. So but this grief of Gary is way worse than than Lee's grief. Um but I the reaction to Taylor today, I was like, oh my, I was wrong crying, I couldn't get out. I was like, and and, and then I was going like, why, what, like, why, why didn't Gary get that reaction from me? Do you know? And terrible thing, it's a terrible thing, it's a kill back up and swallow a hole. And that's one of my, and I relive that night, every night in my head, 
And even the night he came home in the the coffin, I was waiting for him to come home. And like that, I was back up my room again. And I was standing looking in the wardrobe going, to oh, yeah. your and I stood for an hour, one whole hour. Because lads were downstairs, Kevin and he went, like, what, like, what are you doing? I said, like, what do I put on? Like, like, what do you wear? Like, I don't have a funeral. I don't have a funeral about. I don't have, everything I have is because, you know, me, Sandy, like, I'd be, um, do you know, I love, I always love my colours. So everything I had in my wardrobe was too colourful. Bright and like flowery, and you know, they're going like, have like a marvelous, you know. And I said, Who actually an hour picking out her son's uh, dress? Like, I'll never accept, I don't think I'll ever accept that. Um, he's, he's dead, which is probably crazy. The fact that he's gone two the fact that he's gone two years, nine months, but I don't think in. I'll never accept it. I don't think. I, I think, and I know this might sound crazy to some people, but I think if I had gotten to see him, if I had got to see him dead, I would have accepted, if you get me. No, you know? I don't think that's and crazy gas, at all. And Carmack, my son, Carmack and Gary would have been like that because there's only four years between them. They were, they were like like two peas in a pod. And like Carmack just said to me, he said, Ma'am, said, talk about Gary all day long but he said I can't look he won't look videos for pictures or any any of my posts because he, the only way he can deal with it is he thinks as far as he's concerned Gary is still alive yeah do you know he can't accept that he's dead either this type this time of year now for us just rotten because I have Taylor's birthday is October Cormac's is November then we have his anniversary then Christmas and my birthday is New Year's Day so I hate staying here because it's just it's already I can feel it already hitting me like do you know but because like one time John Covid and every day he was running crying on the phone and I just said to him, to him look Gary I said look up at the sky I said look up at the moon and look up the moon and he go I said yeah can you see the moon and I go yeah and I, I said I can see the moon and he'd say, yeah, ma'am. And I'd say, yeah. So I said, two, two of us can see the same thing. I said, just because I said, you don't physically see me. I said, you're, we're, we're seeing each other now. And I said, the two of us are looking up at the same moon. I said, so I always remember that, like, do you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So look, sure, that's, that's where we are. And that's as just... I said, like, if you're ups and downs and there's so many aspects to suicide and so many aspects to, like, some people suffer with their mental health. Gary never suffered with his mental health. Mm. Gary got drunk and there was things were said and he was talking to Carmack and Carmack tried to calm him down and tell him to go into bed and sleep it off and that, 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 that they'd be able to, they could look after sorted out in the morning. But no, there was no Gary was like me, pure emotion. You either will either make you happy or sad, you know, or mad. As I say, happy, sad or mad. But then I know people, as I said to you, that their children have suffered since they were small with the idealisation of committing suicide and not wanting to be here. And some children and some adults have it, have idea in their head and they just feel like they just don't want to be here. Do you know, yeah. they just don't want to be here. And suicide is the only way out, which is so sad. 
oh, like as I said to you, Gary never, oh my God, like happy go lucky as you said yourself, never was like as I said, crying over own and out in the concert ball and so because like his two friends from Port had committed suicide and he'd call to see that he'd bring sweets to the kids and he'd ring me after coming back after leaving and he'd be crying going up he would be crying going home going ma'am like so sad like how could he do to the kids like so that's how I know that he it was the last thing he'd ever do yeah and obviously you know that Gary's dad um isn't his father father uh, moved in years ago but never uh maintained a connection with him and gary couldn't understand that he that really really killed him that really really killed him and he always said to me he said ma ma he said i promise you anything i'll never leave medicine the way my father left me he said i'll never ever leave medicine so i know Cindy, because we had that much uh, alcohol in the system that the the judge or the the coroner said that he was so intoxicated that his brain hadn't the function to know what it was doing, which is nearly worse because I know it sounds bad, but if he was suffering like it's and it's gas because karma didn't realize for a month that fair play to him if he had committed suicide and he was suffering and we didn't know like I I could nearly commend him and. Fair enough, like not commend him, but I can kind of understand it. But when he heard then that it was that he'd done it drunk, he was fuming, fuming because obviously he it, he just thrown his life away, you know, with yeah. a split second decision. He he um they were putting the bottom of half whiskey between himself and his friends that yeah. night. So like. Yeah. The inquest, I like. I had to ask. Obviously, like every, I know it sounds morbid, but like I had to ask. You know, in the movies, I instant no. He's the coroner. Actually, even said that to me. That, that's what they say in the movies. He said, he said, about ten uh, percent of suit Sue's hanging that they actually die by snapping their neck. It's only a certain way. So he, I just said, look, was he? Was he suffering? And he said, yeah, probably about 10 or 15 minutes. So oh, that killed me all together, like, broke my heart. But I just needed to know. I know it's probably a morbid thing, but parent, mothers need to know if their kids suffers, do you know? And I wanted them to know, to know, was it quick? Go quick. Or, you know, I would want to know too. I absolutely would want to know too. Yeah. yeah. I would want yeah. to know what my child went through in those last few minutes. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you know, I, can, yeah. I, I have to, I have to be honest. You know, thank. I'm touching yeah. wood here because I have two boys, and they're with me, and they're healthy. And no disrespect to you and what you've gone through, Regina. I hope that I never have to see such a day. Yeah. But talking to you, I think, you know, it really makes me see it can be anybody yeah. at any time. There are no factors that you can say that person's heading for suicide. That person's going to be okay. Yeah. There's no factor. Yeah. Yeah, Torres has lost so many in the last few weeks or the last few months, and you know, uh, suicide and poverty was that's it was they were they were hand in hand. Yes. Whereas now it's like look, Robin Williams. This is what people need to realize is it's not just uh, Billy Joe 
soaked down the road that's drinking out of a, a, a flag and a cider at the, at, at the mall, at the river, is committing suicide or someone that's taking heroin or someone that's, you know, it's, these are, are normal, are normal kids that like, like grief is terrible because my, my whole family being turned upside down and I've lost half my family over because when something like this happens, you think that, well, look, I was, I swear to God, I, that's, I, I said, well, at least if that never happened to my family, I know that I would be surrounded and I know that I'd be taken care of and it actually ended up the opposite way. I ended up on my own. Like Kevin came into Gary's life when Gary was near, was five and a half and he's, he reared him since Cormac, me and his dad split up. Cormac and Gary were the same father. And we split up when he was knocking off. He was he, he was doing drop me. I, I was six months pregnant on Cormac. And look, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I wouldn't be where I am today. I never regret anything. Regret Sarah. And I've no regrets Gary either because I knew how much I loved him. Because every time we spoke, I always thought, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. So he always knew that, which is a great, which is one thing I have to say because I know there's a lot of parents and a lot of estranged from their kids and but we had a, such a terrific bond because he'd be the first person that snapped me every single day and he'd be the last person to snap me going to bed at night other you're only two years and nine months into it regina but i know and i will post your yeah. instagram um link in the description box attached to the podcast because regina put posts on instagram a lot and she wrote a lot of poems since yeah. gary has passed and they're very helpful. I haven't lost a child to suicide, thank God. Yeah. But I still listen to her poems and they're just so inspirational. So people might get some help from your Instagram page. But Thanks. what would you say to somebody? Like, yeah. I know a couple of people now who are in the early days after suicide. What do you say to those people? Is there anything that you can say to somebody? Yeah, I, I, one thing is do not... Any of the, the cliche, the cliche sayings like "Oh, they're peace now," or "Oh, it was God's will," or they were taken. You know, God had a plan for him, or um, you know, you know all the cliche quotes that just yeah, we don't want to hear that. And and I'll be honest, the first year, the first year you're just in survival mode, and all keeping you going is you have their first birthday away from home and maybe your birthday and then maybe sibling birthday, maybe your father's birthday and then maybe birthday and then you have Christmases and the the Easter and the Halloween. So all them dates, you, like, you, Sandy, your heart is so broke in the first year that you nothing, like, I was going around, I thought I was grieving but I wasn't. I was going around for the first year, obviously crying my heart out, crying. All I, all I was doing was crying, crying, crying. I was also doing, i done way more in the first year when Gary died than I've done since. I've done, uh, I wrote a load of poems. I got loads of stuff made up for him. I got teddy bears made for the lads. I got so much stuff done because I was on autopilot because you're literally, your, your brain just switches into autopilot and you're literally on autopilot. And all I can say to great parents that are, that are in the early stages is just just go with it because you actually think you're going to die and you do. And you think that 
you're not going to like you you just want to be with them you just want to it's terrible and it's terrible thing to to to, to think when you and especially when people always say and oh my god it's one of my peeve hits but you've other children to think of like you've other kids like aren't you lucky that you've other kids like like your other kids are going to replace the child you've lost you know like it's 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 one of my pet heaves um oh you've other kids you know like if i had a euro for every time people have said, said that to me so the first year all i can say is just go with your feelings and go with the way you are because you grief only starts on the second year and the second year and i tell you anyone <clears throat> that knows me or that knows a parent's gone into the second year will know that's when the real grief kicks in because all the firsts are gone the first of all the, the anniversaries and the first of all the, the everything and the second year you have nothing to just there's you're, you're you don't have that birthday to look forward to not to look forward to but to get over but you're the first you're constantly um in your manic you're on well birthday's coming up so i'm trying to right do the birthday and then what day birthday's coming up so i'm going to try and that flat birthday and then i'm trying to but the second year that's gone and the second year you have to try and you kind of go oh my god like this is it now like and with me i found to any any non-grievers isn't the first few weeks we need you lads it's further down the road it's months and years you're we're, we're grieving for the rest of our lives i found that once the month's mind was over the jet started cooling off and then three months came that was it actually wrote once the four month mark and i'll never forget it. that was the last text i got from some of my family last call up last how are you some of my family haven't asked me in two and a half years how am i how are you how are you doing how are you getting on since Gary died? Like, how are you? Do you know? Yeah. So, that's all I can say is in the beginning, you probably take into the bed for about three months. I could have. I, and I probably needed to. But, Kerry's diabetic. I'm her full-time carer and she has to be tested every four hours. She's an eating disorder, so I have to watch her eating her food. So, I couldn't take to the bed like a lot of my mothers do. And, go through that grieving process where they're they can actually in the bed and crying cry. A lot of the first year is literally that's it, manic survival mode. Yeah. And every day you want to die. Every day you want to die. And that it does it does change. I'm not going to say that it gets easier because it it'll, it'll never get easier, but total like devastation. And then the second year, it's raw. It's actually raw grief because it's a new grief because it's grief that your child is now gone and this is what you're left with. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's but life what does I just go say on, though. to people. Yeah. Life does go on. Uh, come here and listen. As I said to you, I always said, I'd throw myself in on top of the coffin. And you don't because you have to stay going because you have other kids. And but we don't need people telling us that we've other kids. We're not stupid. No. Do you know? We're, we're like we may be grieving, but we know we know we have other children. Do you know? And like I still have to cook a dinner, like for my husband comes home for work stuff. 
it has to be done. It's just that your heart is broke, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Regina, I don't know what to say. There's nothing I can say that would make this any better or any easier. Because, you know, one thing that I always say to people, because I've experienced it myself, is that first 10 or 15 seconds when you wake up in the morning and they have to remember everything all over again. That's the hardest, isn't it? Oh, I swear, son, I've missed you. I go over my reaction to my son's phone call every single, every single night. And, like, why did I react that way? I can't comprehend why I reacted the way I reacted. That was just complete shock. Do you know? I relived that every part of it. You relive, I relive his funeral and my, I yeah what I did what I didn't do and what I should have done and what I could have done and what I, it's just guilt and and as I said to one of my fathers we don't get when some guys of cancer touch wood or they're killed in a car crash or they get the added death syndrome or they have a heart attack or they have they your your family know well that's what happened yeah but with us it's like you have to try and accept that your person actually made the choice to commit suicide, to take their own life, and you're left then with, with all the questions of why and what if and what have you. And we'll have guilt for the rest of our life. It doesn't matter. And as I said, God could tell you, God could tell you, um, Regina, this wasn't your fault. And But at the end of the day, when you're a parent and your child dies, before you on your watch you're that's your you you feel like you didn't do your job do you know yeah. you're, you're, you're that's that's one thing about suicide it's the guilt because you blame yourself do you know you yeah. blame yourself and this, regina thank you so much for sharing your story with us today um you yeah. know i just hope that you know just reaching out to people making people see that you know there's nothing yeah nothing that makes somebody more susceptible to suicide you know that and I don't mean to make it sound very light but life does go on and you have you have found something and it's not just it's not just mothers and fathers it's brothers and sisters and uncles there's a family of us I found I found TikTok and I always thought TikTok was for like um kids and teenagers to do all the dances oh my god that's my community and I we share a, I talk about my journey and like that has helped me because I know that I'm helping people over there because we have a uh, we have a, a special community over there they get me because they're on the suicide journey with us and sometimes it's only people that like and I don't mean this in a bad way but people that have lost to suicide, sometimes only people that have lost to suicide can understand what you are actually feeling and what 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 you're going through. Because there's a that extra depth, as I said, the fishbowl of grief I call it, where you're just going round and round and round, going over. If I done this, and I wonder was he did, and I wonder was he that, and I wonder was. And because Gary had all his Christmas shopping done, his first time ever. Um, like two days before he died, he was going on about all his brothers on Snapchat talking about how amazing they were, pointing out all the qualities. Like, 
if you if you went another way about if if you you looked at another way you could you could someone else could say oh maybe he was planning to commit suicide and all these things he was doing it's all swings and roundabouts all swings and roundabouts do you know yeah. i can't imagine and as people say and yeah. you know it sounds selfish for me to say but there for the grace of god go i yeah. nobody knows what life is going to throw at them so we need to be compassionate with everybody at, at every stage yeah. another thing is like when you lose one child then you're you're just constantly living in fear like constantly actually that's one of the probably one of the worst side effects is the, the fear of loss the fear of losing another child another people tell you that as well oh my god like there's no end it's it's a real roundabout isn't it yeah so guys i'm going to put the links to regina's instagram in the yeah. description box attached to this podcast i know regina and i know that if you message her um she will come back to you you know she does it may not be today because like every parent who's lost somebody she's going to have oh, her down days yeah so she oh, won't yeah. be online but she will come back to you. So if you're struggling, yeah. reach out. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. always someone there to listen. Just one thing I want to say for that first year, for the first year, you, you'll think that you're actually going mad. You'll think that you're losing your mind and you think that you're the only one that's feeling like this because no one else, everyone around you seems to be getting on with it and flying it and, and like you're going like, why, why are they not feeling like I'm feeling like? And you, you, it's so hard to try and accept that. What I found then, I said to myself, I'm actually, I'm actually losing, I'm losing my mind, or this can't be right, like the way I'm feeling. And then I went on and I found out in my fellow grief and I realised you're not. So that tip for anyone in their first year, you're not, anything that you're feeling is valid. All your feelings you're feeling are valid. Don't, do not dismiss them and don't think that you're, that you're losing your mind because you're not you're not you're not we're all after going through and I cry every single day for Gary every single day and I could cry three and four days or three and four times during the day but I get hit by a grief bomb or a grief wave where it actually takes me down and I could be in that for three or four days and where you're in the death bear and it's like happening with depression. People say, snap out. It's not that. So, like, the lads come up to me going, now, my lad now, but I, I usually try and not let them see me when I'm when I'm bad like that. I try and, I come up to my room and I take myself away from them so they don't see it. But, like, when you're, when you're hit with a grief bomb, you're literally on your knees and no matter what anybody says or do will actually get you out of that. I've now accepted that I will cry every day over Gary because obviously he's my son and I do feel um, grief, love with North Go. Um, and as you said, and I love your, as all your signs, what you say for now and, I, and uh, the, the butterflies come in, the robins are in the back and all our old songs that we've, that, that you wouldn't hear on the radio will come on. When I've turned the radio on, the song will be on and I'll be like, oh my God, you know, the, them, that brings me joy. But, you know, that I'm just saying that, like, it's not like that. You're just, you can't, you're not cured. 
you just learn to live with it. You, 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 you learn to live with it. But just to go with them, if you get a grief bomb or a grief wave, they I call it a bomb because it literally goes up my, my butt. It's the waves, they call it grief waves. Go with your grief wave. Do whatever you need to do. If you have to go to bed, go to bed. You have to go off, go off. If you have to, just do it. Pardon your mental health if you're not dealing with you have to feel it and go through it, unfortunately. Look, guys, thank you for listening. Um, do reach out to Regina. Yeah. And I will see you in the next episode of Life After Life. Until then, take care and stay safe. Discussing everything about the afterlife and spirit world.